Chapter 30, Life Without Peace, Once Lawsuit from the Mercedes Accident Case Settled, Pop and Consuelo Asked Me for Help. I paid off the mortgage on the Parkview house. I paid off the mortgage on the shop property. I bought them a new van. I couldn't say no, I worked for a while with Pop at All Top, selling dry cleaning equipment, then I got a phone call. Tommy, my boy, I've got an idea. It was Len, and he had a crazy plan. We're going to buy cars, 50-50, fix and sell them. He said. I'm in, I replied, knowing everything Len touched turned to gold, we drove to an auction keeping our eyes open for fancy imports. We put down bids on Ferraris and a Rolls Royce. Auctions were where we started our car buying venture. Then we got an even better idea, to help widows. We put out word to the widows of Beverly Hills and Bel Air that if they had a fancy car in their driveway we would pick it up and buy it for a fair price. The requests came pouring in, and before long we had more cars than space. At one point, we had 27 exotic automobiles. I suggested that maybe car dealerships might want one or two of our high-end cars to display in their showrooms, something to help draw people into the store. Dealers started putting our cars out, paying us to rent them and selling them, quickly I started to amass a small fortune of my own, one day, Len called telling me to come to his house right away and to bring the pink slip to my car. At the time I was driving a 1990 emerald green Corvette. Why Len, what's going on? I asked, don't worry about it, my boy, he replied, on arrival, he grinned and told me to sign my car over to him. And I did. I trusted Len and signed away my car on the spot. He then put a single key into the palm of my hand. When I looked at it, I saw the Porsche emblem. He opened the garage door and when the door lifted I saw the most incredible car, a white 930 Turbo Cabriolet Porsche, with a wide back end and a whale tail. It had a dark blue interior. All custom. He had it brought in from Europe, and had it fitted with a special catalytic converter to make it legal for California, then the Philadelphia Inquirer called wanting to interview me for a special feature they were doing on Father and Mother Divine. They sent a reporter to meet me at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Soon after, they called again, asking me come take photos with Mother Divine for the article. I made a quick trip home. The photographer put the two of us in front of the house asking us to stand apart so they could show the differences between us. But mother was so happy to see me, she kept trying to scoot closer to me. In the end, they got a photo of her smiling excitedly, standing closer to me than they wanted. The story was scathing. It was titled Life After Heaven, and it called out mother for her part in taking me, ruining my mother and denying me any role in the movement. Other controversial aspects of the movement, like taking children from followers and celibacy, were brought to light as well. It wasn't flattering to me or mother. They had quotes from Happy Love saying I was unqualified to ever take over the movement and that I had a bad temper. When he knew me as a child I did have a temper. That didn't bother me, but that Happy would speak out against me was hurtful, he had been one of my closest friends as a child. Strangely, Mother was not at all upset about the article or the way it portrayed her. But after reading it and thinking about what the movement had done to chew me and Susie up and then spit us out. I decided it was time to start closing the door to Woodmont, 
a few years went by, during which I continued to acquire exotic automobiles and got back on solid footing financially. Then I met a petite brunette firecracker named Lori at a Super Bowl party of a mutual friend. I'd seen Lori before at other parties, but it wasn't until that Super Bowl party that we spent any time together. We spent most of the afternoon talking and laughing. I noticed her eyes twinkled when she laughed. Over the next year or so, I ran into her at odd places, Trader Joe's, a gas station, a restaurant. It was always nice to see her. I even went to a couple of parties she had at her place in Tarzana. In late January 1993, Lori called because was trying to introduce one of my roommates with one of her girlfriends. When I picked up the phone, she told me she'd moved to a new house in Woodland Hills. About a week later, when I was on my way from Los Angeles to Agora, I realized her new house was on the way. I called and asked if I could come by to see her and her new place, of course, she said. When I arrived she gave me what she called the Grand Tour. It was a nice-sized place, with three bedrooms and two bathrooms, and a floor-to-ceiling fireplace in the living room. In Southern California, winters are mild and pleasant and it was a beautiful sunny day. Outside, there was a sparkling swimming pool and a jacuzzi tub just outside the master bedroom. For a few hours, we were locked in comfortable conversation until... Finally, I shifted in my seat and worked up the courage to say, Um, Lori, would you like to go out sometime? What are you doing tonight? She said with no hesitation. I was not ready for that fast of a response, but I went with it and said, Sure, I'll just go back to my place and get changed, though. What would you like to do? She got animated and said, Do you like Disney movies? Aladdin is playing at the movies of Tarzana. I picked her up about an hour later and we went to see Aladdin. I actually really enjoyed the film. As we were exiting the theater, I said, How about we go out for dinner? Sure, she said. My friend Lynn told me about a new place that opened just down the road about five minutes. It's a gourmet pizza place called Pauli's. Pauli? I said. I went to a boarding school in Pauli. That's nice, she didn't ask anything about that, she just said, great let's go there then. I held the door open for her as she got back in the Porsche and drove to Pauli's. The atmosphere was lively, there was a piano player, and it smelled great. We ordered some wine and a gourmet pizza with shrimp. We ate and drank and laughed and talked. Conversation flowed so freely. We talked about life, sports, philosophies, movies. Suddenly she said it was time to take her home because she had an early morning appointment in Anaheim. We continued our easy and pleasant conversation as I drove, as I walked her to her door I said, I had a really nice time tonight. And then asked, do you have any plans on Saturday night? Tommy, if I had plans I'd cancel them. I'd really like to see you again, I smiled leaned over and kissed her on the cheek. I'll think of something really cool to do, I said, now go inside and lock your door so I know you're safe. Okay thank you Tommy, bye. Good night, Lori, for the next few days I called Lori in the morning to ask if she was still sure she wanted to go out, and each time she said yes. On my last call, I asked if she liked boating. She giggled and said she didn't know, that she had never been on a boat. 
I told her that I kept a boat at the marina in Oxnard, and we could do a harbor cruise and then have dinner at the beach. The plans were set. I'll pick you up tomorrow at 3 p.m. But in the middle of the might I got a phone call, I still had trouble sleeping, and had finally fallen asleep so I thought the phone ringing was in my dream, my phone probably rang five times before I answered. Hello. Is this Tom Garcia, Jr., dot who is this, L.A. coroner? Is this Tom Garcia, Jr., groggy, I asked again, who is this? L-O-S-A-N-G-E-L-E-S-C-O-R-O-N-E-R. -E -E is this Tom Garcia, Jr.? I bolted upright. It is, sorry to be calling at this hour to inform you that your sister, Susan Garcia Shapiro, died as the result of gunshot wounds, my heart sank with a thud. I couldn't find the words to respond as adrenaline shot through my veins. My head perspired. And I gulped before I spoke again. What happened? A homicide detective will be contacting you. We will let you know when her body is released. Much as I dreaded to, I knew I needed to call Pop, I dialed that very same number I'd dialed from a public phone booth in Pauli. After four rings, he answered. Pop, I managed. I, I just got this call. It's Susie. Susie's dead. At first there was just silence, followed by deep breathing. Final, he asked, what happened? I could only say what I knew. More silence. Then I told him I would be at his house soon. We hung up, neither of us knowing what to say, I sat there and I thought about my sister Susie as a child, how she looked up to me. I wished we could go back and do it all differently. In my cold room I finally screamed out in anger, to God and to Father Divine, she never had a chance.